0: You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Jets podcast, it's Tuesday, March 26th, 2019. I'm your host, John B. from gangrenenation.com. Great to have you with us today. Um, Following up on yesterday's show where we talked about some of my ideas for changes the NFL could make, we got an email from a listener named Charlie who has uh, what I think is a pretty interesting idea. Um, He said that after so many years of watching the the Jets, I have too frequently had the internal struggle of wanting them to lose games for draft picks, although I usually end up rooting for them to win. I understand the league wants to help the weaker teams compete, but the result is often better better for teams to lose games, especially at the end of the season, when it could mean the difference between the number one and number four pick, for example, and there's a franchise quarterback at the top of the draft. What would you think about helping weaker teams by giving them added cap space but giving the number one pick to the best team to miss the playoffs? Second best team to miss gets the number two until the worst team at tw- is at 20 with 21 going to one of the first round losers. I don't see anyone tanking then for a little more cap room and without huge jumps, teams won't see a world of difference between the worst and being second worst. Whereas it, would, it could give great meaning to some Week 17 games and even the bottom dwellers would play hard to win perhaps some years to get ahead of their opponent to land the franchise quarterback your thoughts Um I don't know that i do it all the way I mean I, I don't know that i totally like do it in reverse order but I, I kind of like that I mean I need to think about it a little more I need to, to, to kind of really think through through all the details, but I, I kind of like the idea of giving the number one pick to a team that, you know, the team that just missed the playoffs. I don't know that I'd go much further than that. I don't think I'd go all the way from, like, w- reverse order, but I, mean, I don't mind that idea, like, giving maybe the number one pick and then then maybe going with the worst team. I like the idea... I like the idea of disincentivizing tanking, you know, and I mean, I don't think the, the players or coaches tank, but I think there are definitely teams that put weak teams out on the field and that seems to be growing with the idea that they're going to maximize their draft pick. So maybe that would be one way to disincentivize teams for doing it. And also just like, I mean, I, I agree with the NFL's general idea that uh, you don't want, you, know, you, you want to help the weak teams get better. But at the same time, I mean, we come, there comes to a point, I mean, how many teams are constantly picking in the top five, top ten? At some point, you know, you're kind of rewarding these teams for being incompetent. So I kind of like the idea of disincentivizing that. I mean, I need to think, th- think this through. I'm not sure I'd go with that proposal in particular, Charlie, but I kind of like the general idea. I like the general gist of, of that. I think it's kind of creative thinking. So, you know, we'll think about, we'll maybe put that one away for a little while and come back to it at a later date. But I, in general, I think it's an pr- interesting idea. Um, and anyway, in some Jets news, a couple of free agents signed, a couple of guys from last year's team are coming back. You have the tight end, Neil Sterling, and the uh, edge guy, Brandon Copeland who are low-impact... I mean, that's what you get this time of year. This time of year, it's low-impact guys. I would expect them both to be pretty low-impact guys. Um, In Sterling's case, I mean, I think that Sterling's a bit of an interesting signing just from the standpoint of the Jets don't really have a lot behind Chris Herndon right now. And if you go all the way back to training camp, it's easy easy to forget that heading into Week 1, Sterling was the number one guy on on the depth chart over Herndon. Now, that doesn't mean he's better than Herndon is today because the Chris Herndon of August, September... Is not as good as the Chris Herndon, uh, was not as good as the Chris Herndon of December at the end of the season. Chris Herndon got better during the years. And Sterling, I mean, I, I was not that impressed by him from what I saw. The you know, he played about a quarter of the year, he suffered, was dealing with ankle injuries, was dealing with a head injury, you know, concussion. But I was not that impressed with what I saw. But when you think about what else, just don't have much else of the position, so not a terrible guy to bring back. And Copeland's, uh, he had five sacks last year and he had, zero po- he had half a sack entering the season on his career. So, you know, he he went from half a sack in his career to five-and-a-half sacks, so I guess there's that. I mean, I don't think he really does much to move the needle as an edge rusher. I think that he's a guy who, you know, just... He's, he's a guy who just is coming off a career year, and his career year wasn't even that great. So, I mean, I guess maybe he's better than... Maybe he's marginally better than what the Jets have. I don't think he's really going to move the needle much on the team though i think that i mean i'm not even sure i love copeland as a as a situational guy i don't have a problem bringing him to camp though i mean i will say that as i don't think it's a big issue uh bringing him to training camp but i mean i think if he's a guy who's playing any sort of meaningful role it probably doesn't speak well to what the jets are doing at the edge position this year so i'm hoping you know he gets i hope hoping, hoping, first of all the jets bringing some 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 pass rushing help and maybe draft some guys and maybe have enough young guys with talent that you knock a guy like uh, Copeland off the roster and I mean the other thing is you'd say the same thing about Sterling. I mean I think the best case scenario for both of these guys is that they probably get knocked off the roster. Um, you know these are guys who I mean look it's not a, not really a big issue bringing either of these guys back but these are not guys I would really bank on. I would not bet any money on these guys really contributing much to the team this year. Um, Now, on today's show, what I want to do is I want to start taking stock of what the Jets have at the moment. Um, We're heading into draft season. We're kind of through free agency. So, I want to take stock and look position by position today. Uh, you know, last week we took, we, we took a look at some of the areas that were improved, some of the areas that still need improvement. Where are the Jets right now? So, on today's show, we're going to focus, we're going to keep our focus on the offensive side of the football. And we'll go through, again, we'll go through all the positions on offense. And the way I'm going to judge these is uh, there will be three different ways I could judge them. I'll give, we'll go through one of three options on, 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 at every position. We'll talk about, I feel good about this. I can live with this, or this position needs work, and we're going to do that for the starters. And then I'm also going to talk about depth because it's not just about your starters; it's about your quality of your backups. And when it comes to depth, it's just going to be two. It's either going to be I can live with this, or this needs work because nobody's really. I mean, no backups are really that good. That, otherwise, they'd be backups. I mean, with very, with very rare exceptions, sometimes a team just, you know, makes the right moves or they you know, they they draft the right guy or something like that. But most instances, you're not really talking about great players as your uh, as your backups. You're looking at you're looking more at guys. Can they hold the four? So is this a guy I can live with if you know somebody else gets banged up and uh, somebody else needs to step up? So th- those will be our ratings. We'll we'll say you know something, and I'm not going to use the exact phrase. I like this. I can live with this, or this needs work. That's the, that's what I'll rate them on. Those will be my three ratings as we move forward here on the Locked On Jets podcast on this Tuesday. Locked On Jets podcast today. We're kind of taking stock as we. Turn our attention toward draft season. um, The free agency period is really winding down. It's winding down so much that the Jets are now signing guys like uh, Neil Sterling and Brandon Copeland as they did yesterday. So go position by position. We'll start at the most important position on the field. That's the quarterback position. And look, it's a projection. We know he's in year two. We know year one had some. Up and down moments. It ended it ended on a high note. You know, a very good final month of the season for Sam Darnold. There were some uneven moments before then, as you would expect with any rookie. But I'm gonna go with I'm good with what the Jets have. I like what the Jets have at the quarterback position with Darnold. Now, part of that, a lot of that is a projection. A lot of that, is, I mean, I do really like this quarterback as a prospect. I think he could make a big. I think he'll make a big difference for this team in the years to come, um, and he better because the Jets have so much invested in him that if they don't, I mean, pretty much. The future of the franchise, the next, you know, well, maybe half decade of the franchise at least is invested. And if it goes right, if we're talking over next over the next decade of the franchise is invested in him. Um, so, you know, he better be a difference maker. But, you know, he's a guy who's shown that even in the, is, the short time he's played, he's shown flashes where he can step up and flashes where he can uh, elevate the team. I mean, the, I go back to the, the two games for me, even more so than the comeback win against Buffalo. Uh, week 14, it actually were the two losses that followed it, the week 15 loss to Houston, the week 16 lost to Green Bay, where I, I go back to that. He played really well in those games, and there were not many other Jets on offense who played that well. The Jets were moving the ball pretty much because Sam Darnold was lifting the team on his back. And we know that he's got the ability to do that. And look, I think if you went in last year expecting Sam Darnold to play at a you know an all-pro level, pro-bowl level, I like guess Pro Bowl for quarterbacks not that impressive these days. But you're expecting Sam Darnold to be great all year. I mean, that was too much to ask. I think your expectations were, were unrealistic. I think year two, you're hoping for more. You're hoping for more consistency. You Look, he's going to be He's kind of got that gunslinger uh, style of play where he's going to make some really dumb mistakes from time to time. You hope that they don't come as frequently, though. You hope he, he learns a little bit better how to pick his – they're going to happen – here or there but you hope that they happen less free, with less frequency and you hope the playmaking the carry doing it all the carrying the team on the back ability that he flashed late in the year would uh will manifest itself on a more frequent basis the way it does you you hope that week 15 week 16 are more the rule than you know half and half than something you get half the time you ho- you hope that you'll see that on a more those types of performance on a consistent basis um you know a lot to like in this quarterback though So I like what the Jets have a quarterback starting. In terms of backups, uh, Trevor Simeon, I can live with that. I I can. I mean, this is a guy who's. As I said, I said last week when the Jets signed him. I mean, I kind of used the Nick Foles test with him. What I call the Nick Foles test, and that's if my team around him stinks, then my season's over. My season's over with any backup quarterback. Can my backup quarterback win me games if everything around him's working? If he's got a good scheme, if he's got. A quality receiving core. If the line can protect him, can he do enough? Can he make a few? The he doesn't he has to make a few plays here or there. Can he hit those throws? I think he can. I mean, he had a winning record in Denver, or the Broncos had a winning record with him at quarterback when they had the great defense. Twenty sixteen, they missed the playoffs. A bit of a disappointing year off a of Super Bowl, but I mean, he didn't prevent that team from winning a, a bunch of games that year. I mean, he may not have been good enough to carry the team to a champ, to another championship, but. I mean, it's not like that team suffered that year in Denver with him at quarterback. So, I mean, that's the threshold for quality backup quarterback is very low. And I think Semyon hits it so I can live with him at quarterback. Let's move to running back. Uh, and this one's a pretty obvious one. Le'Veon Bell, I think you got to be happy with. Uh, you know, we don't know. You know, any player could regress. A Bell comes in with some question marks. He comes in with some baggage. But, look, Le'Veon Bell is one of the best backs in the NFL. There's just no question about it. What he's going to add to this team as a runner, what he's going to add to this team as a receiver, or what he should add to this team in these areas. I mean, I don't think there's really a lot of analysis required when you're talking about Le'Veon Bell, whether you should be happy, whether you should feel good about the Jets at the running back position. This is an elite player. It's one of the best backs in the league at his position. I think the Jets are pretty good there. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Jets are pretty good at the running back position. So uh, I feel good about that. Now, backups. Boy, that needs some work. They don't have much, but now the good thing is Bell's a three-down back. Jets are paying him so much that he's going to see the bulk. He's not going to come off the. He's only going to. I think he's only going to come off the field when he's tired. He's got the skill set to stay on the field because of his receiving ability. You can keep him on in passing downs. And that's a good thing because he's only coming off the field when he's tired. Because I don't love what the Jets have behind him. You look at McGuire. You look at Can. I liked Elijah McGuire more heading into last year than I ended up liking him at the end of the year. Not productive really when he got. In, he, now he suffered the injury in training camp, but not that productive down the stretch. Well, um, the line was not good. But I mean, Maguire's McGuire's uh, stat line last year. Was borderline. He shouldn't be in the NFL if he can't improve on that. Borderline guy who's not going to be in the league for very long if he doesn't improve on that. Just uh, he really. I I was not. I did not love the way he run. He ran the ball the end of last year. Cannon. Who knows what you have in him. And so I mean, I look at this running back position. Great at the top, and look, it's good. It's good that it's great at the top because this means that the backups matter less. This is not going to be a situation, your typical NFL situation these days, where you're splitting carries, where you know, you're keeping your guy. You know, you're uh, you got a guy who's going to come off the field frequently. You have guys with different styles depending on the game situation. This is a situation where the starter is going to be on the field an awful lot for the Jets. This is one of the rare three down backs who remains in the NFL, but behind him. I don't love what the Jets have. I mean, I got to be honest with you. I think that I was really, McGuire was one of the more disappointing players to me. Cause I liked him a lot more heading into the year than I ended up liking. And by the end of the year, just not just did not do a good enough job down the stretch for them right now. He's your number two back. And look, I'm going to say this. I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world. If not, maybe not, I don't know. There's a guy around one and certainly not with the third overall pick, but Jets get a little deeper into this draft. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. If they try and find a back, um, not Even even if he's not splitting carries with Bell, but a guy, maybe, say, a guy with receiving skills, then you can start getting creative with your packages, play two backs on the field at the same time. That, that interests me a little bit, so I think that that's something I may... I'm not saying that this is my first choice, but I would not object to it if, you know, where you're drafting matches up with the, the right prospect. Um, yeah, not much behind Bell, though. You know, it's a pretty clear split there. Feel really good about the starter. Feel really not good about the backups. Locked on Jets podcast, kind of taking stock of the offense today position by position we've talked quarterbacks we've talked running backs and let's talk wide receiver and uh, the wide receiver position it's very much a situation where I mean I can live with what they got Uh, that's about as much as I can say I think the the Jets have three credible NFL players at the wide receiver position in Robbie Anderson in Quincy Inunua and Jamison Crowder but you don't really have a a great receiver, I mean what you have you you don't have a guy who's had a thousand yard season you have you have guys who have specialties Crowder's a guy who works in the slot who's gonna be effective out of the slot. You have Robbie who's the deep threat. you have uh Inunwa, who's kind of the move it all do it all guy a guy who's good with the ball in his hands, kind of a hybrid type player but you know no no game breaking player and I think that this offense is really when you look at the skill positions, it's gonna be your receivers are going to be the supporting players. I think even in this offense, I think you're going to to me this is an offense that's going to be rely on the back and it's going to rely on the tight end. I think I think that's probably the direction if you look at the personnel, you look at the upside of various players here, because that's that's really what you that's those are really the, the go to players. And your your receivers are more supporting type players. You know, thing with Robbie is Robbie, I think, is a guy who maybe gets overestimated a little bit because here's what I'd say: is he's not the you know, like a lot of players in the league who are just okay. They'll they'll be okay for 16 games. Whereas Robbie looks like a number one, like a little more than a quarter of this. Let's we'll say we'll say a little more than a quarter of the games every year. He looks like a number one receiver because when he hits, he hits big. The problem is that there are too many games where he doesn't do anything, and that's kind of the nature of the beast when you are a deep ball specialist. So he's got to, you know, if he's going to be more, he's got to round his game out a little better. You know, he's got to round, ra- ra- he's got to do more things for the Jets and just be a deep ball guy. And then was a guy, you know, we keep waiting for it to happen with him. And it kind of looked like it was happening early in the year, but had trouble staying on the field. And, you know, you look at his stats, I mean, very, it, it really not that all that impressive. A guy with very, how many big games has Quincy and then what had with the Jets? Not a whole lot, to be honest. Um, but a guy who still has his has a skill set that can help the team, and then Crowder is pretty much a specialist. So that's what you have. You have guys who are guys who are essentially can are not necessarily the most rounded guys, but bring certain things to the table. Um, and you know, for in the case of Robbie, you know, I think it, Robbie, the one thing Robbie does one thing, but that one thing is very a very valuable skill to have. Now behind those guys, I mean, you could use some work in terms of depth at receiver. Um, I, I don't think there's really much, much else there. I mean, Burnett, I don't know that Burnett's really an NFL player. We'll find out. Um, Bellamy's not, I mean, guy's, guy's pretty old <laughs> and he's, he hasn't really done anything in the league. Um, peak, not really much to speak of. I mean, there's, there, there, there's not much there at the receiver position after the starter. So not again, not a position with spectacular depth. If somebody you know gets hurt, then you're not looking at anything that great. Let's move to the tight end position, and I think you got to say you're, you're you're pleased with what you got there. Herndon a very impressive rookie year, especially for a fourth round rookie, especially a guy coming off a serious injury. Um, you know, just kept getting better during the season, kept producing. And you know, when you listen to what coaches have to say, you you, you get a lot of coach speak in the off season. But sometimes, if you listen between the lines they tell you something. And there was one thing Adam Gaze said a few weeks ago when he spoke to the media. It's he was praising everybody, but he used the term unicorn when he talked about Chris Herndon, which he just seems to me like sometimes you have to listen to who, everybody gets praise, but who gets like the most glowing praise? Sometimes you read between the lines. It seems to me like like Gaze really went out of his way to praise Herndon, which kind of suggests to me, and I'm, I know I'm really getting into the land of speculation here, but it's just to me that Herndon, uh, you know, it's going to be a focal point of this. I think this is, I would not be surprised to see this be of Bell and Herndon as your focal points on the offense. And if he grows as much as he, and look, the one thing you have to realize is that everybody wants to dream that the guy who was good as a rookie is automatically going to get better year two. You can't, it's not a guarantee. It doesn't always work that way, but you'd be justified in hoping it happens. And you'd be justified in thinking there's a realistic possibility it happens because uh Herndon certainly looks like a player. He certainly looked like a player. He kept getting better at the end of his rookie year. Um uh, you know the reason I almost I hesitated a little bit when I said I said I feel good about it is when we get to talking about depth because I'm thinking like do I like two tight end sets? How much does that matter? I don't like the two tight end sets because Jets have nothing at tight ends past Herndon. So uh, my question when I was thinking about do I like my starters is how prevalent do I think two tight end sets will be? Ultimately, I decided I'm just going to go with I like what I have because of Herndon, but I don't like – the Jets need work on depth because, I mean, what else do they have? Leggett's really not done much. Uh, Tomlinson's a punchline at this point in the fan base. I mean, for I, mean, I don't mean to be mean, but, like, Tomlinson just had a horrible year. It, it was to the point where people are surprised he's back. Uh, Daniel Brown, the import from the Bears. Sterling, who – can he stay healthy? I, I don't think that this team has very good depth at the tight end position. And that brings us to to the last spot, the offensive line. And I mean I think that one's a pretty clear one. That's a this needs a lot of work. I mean this they they I think they upgraded left guard, but I mean they needed to get to center to even have an argument for I can live with this. And even then you might question it. But I mean you look at the I mean this offensive line is a problem. I mean, this offensive line at this point—they better get somebody in the draft, or they better find like a guy who's a late surprise cut, or pull a trade. They got to do something on this offensive line because this line just does not have enough good players on it. Um, this this needs a lot of work, um, you know. And I said, if they sign the center of free agency, then arguably—I wouldn't even say definitely—but I'd say arguably—you could make the case that. You're at the point where it's like, okay, I can live with this, but I mean, they need to get a center just to get to that point, and then to get to a spot where you're feeling like a top line, you probably need to replace two other guys after the center. Two of the three, because I, I feel like the Jets have a lot of guys on this line where, if they were, the Jets have probably have like three guys on this line where you'd say, well, that's the worst guy on my line, I'm okay, but that's the that's one of the best guys, that's the top two, top th- three guy, oh, I don't love it. Well, you can only have one worst guy on your line, which means some of these other guys are going to have to be replaced if you want to feel really good about the uh, the offensive line. So that's this line needs to worry. Forget about. I mean, you talk about backups. I mean, this team. If this team suffers any uh, outside of Compton, who I think was a. I think Compton's a, a guard. He's actually a credible backup. But I mean, they don't have anything else. I mean, this the quality is back. Um, they just keep bringing back these these. Offensive these backups who aren't any good who they know aren't any good who have no upside I I don't understand I mean I'm still waiting for the annual annual Ajalana contract I feel like that that ought to be coming um but look the, the offensive line right now is an issue and the thing is like offensive bad offensive line can sink your whole potentially can sink your whole offense so it's something that boy the Jets better figure something out with this this unit because I, and even if it doesn't like do you really want an offense where your quarterback has to run where you even if your quarterback can make plays running for his life, do you want to put your second-year quarterback in a situation where he has to run for his life to make plays? Even if he can do it, that's not the situation I want my young guy in. So this needs some work. I think, to say the least, it needs it has needed, it has needed work for years. And it has not gotten work. So hopefully the Jets can get to move and get some work on this offensive line. That's all for our show today. I appreciate you listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hope you have a great Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk more Jets.